If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. KFI AM640, you're listening to the John Cobell Podcast on the iHeartRadio app. You know, I hate environmental packaging. I mean, I can't stand it, especially when it comes to water bottles. You ever drink out of Arrowhead water bottles? Yes. A few years ago, they they changed the plastic, and it's really, really thin plastic. And I, I don't know, this is more environmentally sensitive. It used to be hard plastic, right? So you, when you grabbed it, you got a good grip on it, and you could drink it easily. Then they thinned out the plastic. So when I grab it, unscrew the, cop, the, the cap, and I squeeze it just slightly to take a drink, it shoots into my face. All over my clothes. Oh, no. Because it takes the slightest bit of pressure to shoot the water out. Whereas the hard plastic used to used to not do that. Secondly is the cap never fits right. So I put the cap on. I've got some water left. I put it in my work bag, right? Which has got a lot of paper in it. Like a whole. I know where this is going. All bunch of, well, this happens like every week now. <laughs> I never put it on right. Or it can't be put on right. And it floods my bag. You know what? Can I tell you? I have that exact problem, and I have a bag where I keep my headphones. So yeah. I just had to buy a new pair. Yeah. Because it, same thing, it didn't, it didn't screw on correctly, and it was a flood in my bag. And it's always the water bottle. Yep. Yeah, and it, specifically the Arrowhead water bottles. And I, I know they have, I think, their headquarters here in Southern California. And they, they, they put all these incomprehensible symbols on the bottle to try to show off. Who are they showing off to? Are these government mandated or activist group pressure or some uh, wacko environmental gurus on the board? Because they got one symbol that says 
made better, helping to conserve springs. Well, I don't, I don't understand that. They're using they're bottling water. So how how do you avoid how do you conserve the water in a spring if you're if you're bottling the water? I mean, and then it's got another weird set of arrows with directions on how to use the bottle. Empty and replace cap. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> That's helpful. <laughs> is is that a violation <laughs> if I empty it and I don't replace the cap? Does that affect the way it it, uh, it, it degrades in the landfill? Then it informs me that it's a plastic bottle. <laughs> oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, that, they have a, a special sign there. And I, I, what does that conform to? Is that some legal requirement? And again, the, the, the plastic is so thin and it... <sighs> It's just a complete fail for me. But they're they're all like that now. All the bottles are like that. And are you sure you're you're putting the cap on correctly? Because no. I don't think I did a couple of times. And mine is not arrowhead. Well, the cap is a lot thinner. So uh it it's I think the old cap, it was bigger and thicker and a couple of twists and mm -hmm. would work. I know you have you have a hard time with those uh yeah, well, small you know, motor skills. I my, know. Yeah, my small there's, uh, I'm small motor disabled, practically, is what it is. Uh, there is, uh, oh, you know who we're going to have on at 1.30? Because I, I read his uh, column. Uh, he's on the uh, San Diego Union-Tribune editorial board. His name is Chris Reed. And he wrote, <laughs> this is not a funny subject, but I'm amused by odd things. Uh, it's about all the wasted money, California high-speed rail. And uh, how, um, back when this went on the ballot in 2008, uh, the government, Schwarzenegger's government, and all the backers of this uh, stupid boondoggle knew that this thing was going to be a failure and knew they were never going to have enough money. They knew it was in black and white and writing in a special report, and they never disclosed the report to the public as the sheep dutifully went on election day to vote to approve this, this massive fraud. Um, anyway, he wrote a column detailing the history of that so, so you can know where the original sin is. From uh, and then also we're gonna have uh, Todd Spitzer on next hour because in Orange County they uh, cracked down a successful crackdown in a home burglary ring uh, tied to 34 break-ins. They arrested 20 people and and what do you know tied to L.A. gangs? Pretty shocking, huh? I mean, you see these videos, um, you know the smash and grabs at the stores. At they don't, they don't look like gang members to me. I kind of surprised yeah they really are gang members and uh then later on in the show we're going to have uh, jim desmond on san diego county supervisor because the 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 uh, joe biden administration is separating families at the border in san diego over a thousand families separated huh don't see any outrage over that but maybe we can start some we've also got uh, two rounds of the moist line and two hacks in the dumpster a dumpster to end the year Unrelated hacks, but, you know, we're in our, our final days of uh, 2023, so we had to clear the shelf, and we've got uh, two guys that, that are going to get tossed uh, coming up. Now, um, when we come back, <laughs> the story on, uh, well, two stories related to, to the vagrants. First one is uh, there is a uh, new set of statistics out that's going to, uh, um, well, I think uh, Channel 5 used the term staggering. They have an official United States homeless count, highest level ever.
California numbers staggering. We have a huge percentage of the homeless in this country. And we'll tell you exactly how. And we, we really have uh, a, a ratio to population, the highest by far in the nation. And also how the affordable housing program that we have in Los Angeles is actually tearing down other housing. Uh, you read this thing and I, I can't figure out what the upside is. So in order to create affordable housing, they have to destroy affordable housing. Only in Los Angeles. And, and this is supposed to uh, end homelessness. So all that is ahead on the John Cobelt Show. You're listening to John Cobelt on demand from KFI AM 640. So this uh, story came from the federal government. And they have counted the, all the vagrants in America. And the U.S. had a 12% increase in homelessness. And uh, they're blaming it on soaring rents and a decline in coronavirus pandemic assistance. Can you, can you believe this? First of all, the rents in a, in a lot of places were frozen, a lot of cities. And you didn't have to pay rent in a lot of cities. It's interesting that it was soaring uh, because that that wasn't the state uh, things during the pandemic. And then coronavirus pandemic assistance. I that was a one time deal. It went on way too long, which is what led to inflation because Trump and then Biden blew out billions and billions and billions of dollars. And it was all about the pandemic. They had different names for different bills that they passed, but it was all the same thing. They overjuiced the economy, and that's why everything you buy in the grocery store costs 20 or 25% more than it did three years ago. Uh, so the, the claim here is that the lack of the government writing out checks, pandemic checks, that creates inflation, puts housing out of reach for more Americans. This is according to the Associated Press. This is allegedly their reasoning, reasoning or the federal government's reasoning. That we need the federal government to continue printing money, sending unneeded checks to people, driving up inflation, or rents are going to go up. Boy, none of that sounds right, does it? That sounds nuts. So in January, on whatever day or days they did the count... Uh, 653,000 people were uh, squatting in the streets somewhere. I am not going to use that phrase, experiencing homelessness. I will not do that. I'm not using their stupid euphemisms. Let the sheep in all the news departments use that. The uh, a bonus thing. The, uh, now, the breakdown for California. Channel 5 calls it staggering. 71,000 people in Los Angeles County. 71,320. Uh, minus the ones that died of uh, fentanyl overdoses, I suppose, since then. New York City numerically had more at 88,025. But I, uh, I think we have, we have a higher ratio. And the rest of the cities and uh, metropolitan areas in America um, just have... Far fewer in numbers. 
uh, 14,000 in Seattle and King County, 10,000 San Diego County, Denver, 10,000. I mean, we are, we are it. We are the center of all vagrancy because it's obvious. We allow it. During the Garcetti years, there were no rules. You could lay out in the streets, commit all kinds of crimes, emit all the bodily fluids and all the things a body can produce out in the streets, inject yourself or snore any drug that made it over the border, and nobody was going to bother you. And now we ended up with, with, with a really overwhelming, ridiculous problem. And the, uh, the answer to them is uh, the answer by you know, the Karen Bass crowd and everybody in the city council is, uh, we've got to build more affordable housing. Yes, we do. More affordable housing. They, they, it, it, it's the drugs. It's the mental illness. It's the lack of police enforcement. Uh, that is discussed very little, if at all. And most cities in America don't tolerate this nonsense in the streets. And you don't find them on this list. They don't make the list. It, it doesn't really exist for all practical purposes. Most cities don't have this. We do because of this bizarre, progressive philosophy that says anything goes in the streets. These people are, are noble. Now, as far as affordable housing, we know that whole uh, concept is a bust. I mean, even Karen Bass admits they only permanently housed 261 people this year. 261 out of the 45,000 in L.A. City. So I don't know how many years would that take. That would take, what, 160 years? Assuming there wasn't a single new homeless person coming off the train or the bus, at, at the rate uh, she's talking, it would take, what, about 160 years. Uh, the El Segundo uh, Times had a story, and this makes no sense, except it makes perfect sense when it comes to Los Angeles. Uh, they are... They are destroying a lot of housing in order to build affordable housing. They're destroying some low-income affordable housing. Uh, they talk uh, to Blanca Ruiz. She lives on Figaro Street in South L.A. She's got her husband, a son, four dogs, two tropical birds. And then she was notified by the city that her home is going to get demolished. So that other people who are struggling can live there. They're going to give her $25,000 to relocate only because she's 75 years old and low income. But the rents are so high, she doesn't think she's going to be able to find a place that they can afford. Everything she looks at, too expensive or don't allow dogs. I don't sleep at night. I stay up thinking, what am I going to do? Where do I go? And there's apparently... Dozens and dozens of residents who have to relocate because of Karen Bass is evicting them. She wrote something called the executive directive number one. And it's to speed up construction of affordable housing. So Ruiz's apartment, along with two others, is going to be replaced by a 157 unit affordable housing project. To combat homelessness, as if all those people in the street can be trusted with a brand new apartment. We've seen them destroy apartments by the hundreds, thousands in the last few years. We are now going to build the homeless new apartments for them to destroy. 
you know, they're going to put in all these drug addicted hoarders. And somebody like Blanca Ruiz, who's been living peacefully and, uh, and, and paying her bills, she's getting kicked out. They want to make this emergency order permanent. Uh, so there'd be no more public hearings and no more reviews. Because, as you know, it takes many, many years to build anything in Los Angeles. But the current tenants in these neighborhoods are getting screwed over. And uh, they have 9,000 units they've been proposed uh, to be affordable. But they're going to have to demolish hundreds of rent-stabilized units. Then they're going to try to coax the vagrants off the street. The vagrants will go inside these new uh, apartments and ruin them. And hopefully by then, Blanca Ruiz will find a new place to live. Now, the alternative is to, um, for, the, for the vagrants to assume responsibility and go out and get jobs. There's plenty of them available. Earn money so they can afford uh, their own apartment. Uh, but I, I don't know how they're going to live in affordable housing if they don't want to go to work and earn a paycheck. If if they would rather snort meth and inject heroin and fentanyl, I. But you never hear that discussed publicly, do you? Just here. And we're supposed to be mean for doing so. Uh, Chris Reed is coming up right after Deborah's news on uh, on why the bullet the bullet train project flopped. They knew in 2008 before we voted on this that it was going to flop. It was guaranteed. And there's one specific reason, and Chris Reed is uh, uh, one of the editorial writers for the San Diego Union-Tribune, and he wrote a piece on this, just to remind everybody that this was poison from the start. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television 
today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it would have been been juicy. It would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Michael Rappaport, and my wife, Kibi Rappaport, starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to John Kobelt on demand from KFI AM640. Coming up after 2 o'clock, we're going to have Todd Spitzer on, the DA of Orange County, an actual district attorney that prosecutes people. Uh, he is a curiosity. Uh, they charged 20 people for a burglary ring, 34 break-ins across Orange County, $500,000 worth of cash, valuables, and weapons stolen. And shockingly, uh, they were tied to a Los Angeles gang. Wow. I didn't think gang members do that. They do bad things like that? Right. So uh, they ran into Orange County. Uh uh, pillaging and thieving. We'll get to Todd coming up after uh, two o'clock and explore this shocking, this shocking concept of uh, prosecuting criminals. It's a fascinating idea. Uh, we are now going to talk to uh, Chris Reed. Chris Reed is uh, one of the editorial writers for the San Diego Union Tribune, and he had uh, a column that uh, contained something that most people probably don't know. That when the high-speed rail bond went on the ballot in 2008 and a majority of you voted for it, they never told you that they knew they were never going to get the financing for this thing and that the whole plan was going to flop. Remember, they claimed that $33 billion would uh, build high-speed rail from Sacramento to San Francisco to Los Angeles to Anaheim all the way to San Diego for $33 billion, and it would be done by now. And, of course, nothing's done. They're way short of money. Uh, they've lopped off uh, uh, Anaheim, San Diego, Sacramento, and apparently Los Angeles. Right now, it looks like it's uh, it's Merced to Bakersfield at best. So let's get uh, Chris Reed on and find out what they knew way back 15 years ago now. Chris, how are you? Great. Good to be back, John. Yeah, the the story starts in the spring of 2008 when Arnold and a bunch of Democrats in the legislature got all excited about the high-speed rail project. And so they thought that, okay, what's a good way to win uh, public support for this? We'll have the Rail Authority's uh, business team put out a plan by October 1st explaining just how the finances would work. And at the time, it didn't seem like uh, this was any big deal. Bullet trains were working well in Europe. And so people were skeptical about the state's ability to pull off any big project. But the fact that uh, bullet trains drew private investors in Europe made it seem like it was plausible it could happen in California. But uh, about the middle of uh, about the middle of September, there began to be rumbles that they couldn't finish the the the, plane, the, the, the analysis in time by October 1st because of the furloughs. Remember back then? Oh, yeah. The furloughs during. So anyway, uh they knew, however, according to what was later disclosed, that private investors wanted nothing to do with a project in which there's no case that taxpayers could provide subsidies if revenues were not enough to cover expenses. 
And that's like the one saving grace of Proposition 1A in 2008 was that it contained a specific provision that says you cannot have taxpayers provide operating subsidies to the project. And so uh, they knew that they weren't going to get the private investment that was supposed to be key to completing the project. And they didn't tell anybody until literally the Monday after the election, they released the report. Their staffing needs had somehow disappeared. And then the Monday after the election, six days later, they put out a report saying it's going to be tough to get any investment without subsidies. And, oh, subsidies are illegal. Why Why uh, would the private uh, investors not invest without public tax money? Well, because bullet trains around the world, and this is one of the, the great uh, facts that nobody seems to realize, they are almost always subsidized. They almost never pay for themselves. It's just a, a really costly uh, thing to pull off, having high-speed rail. In California, it's, it's quadruply exas- or exacerbated by the fact that they wanted to build through really densely populated areas, which was never going to happen. That California has all these wild environmental rules that make it close to impossible to pull off a big project, a small project, a medium-sized project, any project in which people can say their interests are affected. You know, and, yeah, and so it, if I could just interrupt you a second, because th- th- these 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 political leaders and these bureaucrats always talk about the wonders of high-speed rail in Europe and in China and Japan, and how they all do it. And it's affordable for the public. They never talk about how different California is and all those things you just touched on. Well, for example, they'd have to uh, uh, drill through uh, the uh, Tehachapi Mountains. Yeah, there was an amazing story in 2013 that says they needed uh, they need drills as long as a football field, drilling truck as long as a football field, a hundred yard long drill to to do this. I, I wonder how many billions it would cost just just to develop such a drill. It, there is no such thing. No, they'd have to invent it. They had to have whole new technology. There was a 2000 article in the L.A. Times in which they quoted experts from Caltech saying, like, this is going to be kind of, you know, close to impossible. And so it's, that's what makes it all the incredible, more incredible that we just keep hearing over the years that, oh, this project would have worked if it wasn't marred by politics, if there weren't all these no. dubious compromises made. It's a See, crock. That's what's stunning and really angering is they never discussed how it was going to be nearly impossible to get through the Tehachapi Mountains, the San Gabriel Mountains, all these densely populated areas, that it was enormously difficult and maybe impossible to do, extremely costly. There was going to be no private investing uh, coming because we weren't putting up any public tax money. They knew all this in advance. They do it anyway. Who's benefiting from blowing these tens of billions of dollars over the last 15 years? Who did they want to please by trying to do this half-assed 119-mile train? Well, uh, the only people who clearly benefit from it are the you know building construction unions and the contractors who are hired to do this this project out in the middle of nowhere. And that's another thing that's absolutely mind-boggling about this is I have directly asked uh, Governor Newsom, just like I directly asked uh, Jerry Brown and Schwarzenegger before them, like, is this project worth doing if it doesn't connect population centers? And nobody will ever acknowledge that because answering that question requires the acknowledgement that, no, it's never going to connect the two big population senators. Many years ago, I talked to a state senator from, from San Jose, whose name I won't uh, reveal because it was off the record, and he said the idea that they were going to build a bullet train between San Jose and San Francisco through the richest county in America was absurd on its face. 
And that's why it was honestly not really even taken seriously by like Maris and Atherton and Los Gatos. They knew it was never going to happen. And the, the same thing holds from Somar to downtown Los Angeles. Now, that's not nearly as rich as Silicon Valley, but it's densely populated. And one of the more interesting studies I read about the bullet trains in urban areas was they, 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 they cut through an urban area and they're like a fence. They segregate communities by making it so difficult to get from one side to the other. So we were really going to build a bullet train from Silmar to downtown Los Angeles and create this partition in the middle of the valley? Yeah, sure. No, because they, they, they bitch and moan over the idea that uh, uh, freeways have divided communities and separated communities. But And it's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot easier to build a bridge over or under a freeway than a bullet train that's already super environmentally sensitive. And also, it's dangerous to undermine its base, according to what we were told 10 so, years ago. So, so many politicians, bureaucrats, leaders, they all knew this was bogus. They knew this was a scam before day one, before we even voted, and they all went along with it anyway. Well, it's not clear, uh, it's not crystal clear that Arnold knew about this beforehand, but he was in Legacy Watch at that point, and I don't think even if he knew he would have changed anything. But it is clear that this was known within the bullet train agency, the California High Speed Rail Authority, uh, that this that this was not going to work. And the excuse is, well, we had staffing problems because of those darn furloughs. But come on, this, this is not like a this was not like a controversial uh, conclusion. Of course, they're going to want subsidies because they've got subsidies everywhere around the world where they have built these projects. Of course, it's going to be incredibly difficult to build something in a place in California where environmentalists are so, so strong and land is so expensive and and, you know, people are so powerful. Rich people are powerful, and they don't like having their homes so messed for, with. So for 15 years, everybody in this construction industry and in the consulting industry, all the all the other uh, parasites that have attached themselves to this bullet train, they all get up every day knowing that this is ultimately a waste of time, that they're going to be, uh, at best, if everything goes right, maybe decades down the road, you're going to get a train taking five people up from Bakersfield to Merced every day. Well, and the, the, the thing is, is that uh, in January 2019, I don't know if you remember this hilarious early Newsom escapade, he gave a press conference in which he said, we need to be honest and realistic about the future of the bullet train. And so uh, AP and others immediately wrote a story saying the, the new governor of California raises questions about the viability of the bullet train. And Newsom walked it back within an hour and a half. Well, he, he got a bad him. <laughs> he said he would she said right away, no, 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 that's not what I said. I just said we had to take a hard look at it. Yeah. Not meaning that we had to hard take a hard look and stop this fiasco. No, did he get a bad phone call from uh, a union leader? I, I don't know. I have no idea because I, I, I don't understand the upside of this at this point. Everybody now knows that it's a fiasco. You know, Everyone who's sentient knows it's a fiasco. So why continue with it? That's the thing that I don't get. But, you know, John, you're right about the, the dishonesty of, the, of everyone involved who benefits from this and their failure to be honest about it. But I got to say, where's the media on this? I swapped an email. The 15th anniversary of when the, the business plan was supposed to be released was October 1st. And I wrote about it back then. And it was like the 15th anniversary of the deceit that launched this debacle. And I swapped emails with Dan Walters because he and I appear to be the only people in the California media Whoever bring this angle up, and this is not like a small angle. This is no. a crucial angle. Yeah, this cost us tens of billions of dollars. Yeah, I know. Well, they're, they're, it's, it's not really a news industry anymore. I don't know what to call it, but it's not a news industry.
Well, I mean, they're just they're public relations agencies for the government, whoever's in power. Well, I, I don't know. I just find the whole thing kind of juicy and strange, uh, the whole question of why the media can't say this. Because when the stuff comes up about the project linking Rancho Cucamonga across desert with Vegas and the L.A. Times reported that uh, people were much more optimistic about this because there won't be any dubious compromises and there won't be politics involved. I just felt like groaning because it's the same Los Angeles Times that had that incredible story about the difficulty of getting through the Tehachapi Mountains, about mm-hmm. the need to build trains that are you know a football field long or, or drills that drills, are football yeah, field that's long crazy. through the mountains. All right, Chris, got to go. Thank you for coming on. Thanks. All right, Good Chris Reed from the San Diego Union Tribune. It's the John Cobalt Show, KFI AM six forty. You're listening to John Cobalt on demand from KFI AM six forty. Coming up after uh, 2 o'clock, the Orange County District Attorney Todd Spitzer, they charged 20 people, 34 break-ins across the county, uh, all tied to Los Angeles gangs, all kinds of burglaries and thefts and half million dollars in cash and weapons and valuables. And look at that. Look what, and these people are going to go to jail in Orange County. Uh, You may have heard it happen just in the last half hour. Rudy Giuliani. Oh, my God, did he get whacked. There was a, a civil trial. Two Atlanta election workers charged him with uh, defamation, and he lost. It was ordered by a federal jury to pay $148 million to two election workers. Oh, my goodness. He was ordered. Uh, well, the, the, the two women involved, let me get their names here. Shay Moss and her mother, Ruby Freeman. And this, this, uh, this federal jury awarded $75 million in punitive damages and uh, $20 million to each woman for emotional distress. Well, it doesn't... Yeah, that's, that's, that's 95. And, and then they were also awarded... Moss got $17 million for defamation. Freeman received $16.2 million. Now, how do you determine that? Why, why would one woman be defamed uh, $800,000 less than the other one? <laughs> Does he even have that kind of money? No, no. He's near broke. He's, he's blown all his money. The last I heard, he was selling his uh, $6 million uh, condo in New York City. And I think th- he used to be very wealthy because after he was done as mayor, he went into private security. You know, he lived off the fame of... Uh, of his performance during 9-11 and uh, he had a security company and he had high-end clients all over the world and uh, he, he's he's blown a lot of it in legal fees he certainly doesn't have 148 million dollars although i imagine there'll be appeals and maybe the award gets knocked out but what he did and this is all in service of donald trump um he mentioned them by name accusing them of pull, uh, of pulling fraudulent ballots out of suitcases and then adding them to the totals as they were counting at State Farm Arena in Atlanta. So he said specifically these two women had extra ballots in suitcases. And it was to screw Donald Trump out of the election in, in Georgia. They started getting death threats from all the lunatics out there. And they had to flee their home for two months. And these these were Trump supporters who who drove them uh, drove them out of their home. 
And and of course, Trump, in turn, uh, Giuliani was begging him to, to do some kind of fundraisers or to give him some money so he could defend himself in court. And Trump did a couple of fundraisers, but in general, just left left him, just hung him out to dry. I so Giuliani is now left with, uh, well, I mean, he did a stupid, stupid thing. And the thing is, he was a brilliant, brilliant attorney. Uh, uh, he was he, he was a, uh, a U.S. attorney in New York. He busted up the mafia back in the 1980s. He busted up a lot of Wall Street crooks in the 90s. He went after, he went after uh, criminal politicians. I mean, he took care of everybody. He and then 9-11. 9-11? 9-11. A great mayor. Fantastic mayor in New York City. Best mayor I ever saw in my life. Totally turned, because the city was the way L.A. is now. Ridden with homeless people, criminals, all sorts of creeps on the streets, massive prostitution. He and uh, went back a, a couple of years after I moved out of there, and I turned into Disneyland. I was shocked. Absolutely shocked. I'd never seen anything like it. And then he, he's lost his mind. He's drunk much of the time now. He has a radio show in New York late at night that he does out of his house. And, and is he doing it drunk? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and he just rambles on. I've read some articles on it. And he's he's just, he's loaded most of the time now. And, he, and he's going to be broke if he isn't broke already. I don't know. I, I think he's suffered from some kind of dementia and alcoholism, the combination. Uh, we When we come back, we're going to talk to Todd Spitzer, Orange County uh, District Attorney. And 30, 20 people have been charged, 34 break-ins, half million dollars in prizes that they stole uh, related to L.A. gangs. And uh, Todd Spitzer is going to prosecute these people. This is like the opposite of George Gascon. Deborah Mark has the news live in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. Hey, you've been listening to the John Cobalt Show podcast. You can always hear the show live on KFI AM 640 from 1 to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday. And, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.